Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome back to our last section of this podcast regarding work-life balance. This is Wendy Sellers, the HR lady. Hey, it's JC. My pleasure to be back here for you. What we want to talk to you about today is, or this last section here, is about putting stuff in writing. <laughs> Why? <laughs> if it's not in writing, it's not real, and it's certainly not going to stand up in court. But it's just, it's amazing when you put something in writing, even at home, right? You put something down in writing like, oh, that, that checklist is real. Oh, that policy is real all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, once it goes to the book, there's a totally different ball of wax there. Uh, people could read it. It becomes official. You're never turning back at that point. Well, you could change it. You could change it. Yeah, right? you could change it. You could definitely change it. And that's what I think a lot of companies get thought up and, caught up in. Well, what if it doesn't work? Well, then you just change it. You can let people know in the most authentic way possible in your policy, whether you're adding it to your handbook or you're just doing a temporary policy that, hey, for the next three months, here's our temporary flexible schedule policy or here's our uh, flex time off policy or our unlimited PTO policy or we're closed one day a week policy. We're testing this out. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, we're going to be you know, making more changes. So we want your feedback. I would love for a company to say that to me like, hey, we heard you and we're making changes and we're not sure this is going to work, but we're trying. Trying is half the battle, nothing. Wendy. It's better than yeah. not doing anything at all. Absolutely. Right. Uh, it's, you know, it's estimated that losing an employee is going to cost a company probably about two times that employee's salary from things that I've been reading up on over here. And hourly workers, it costs an average of $1,500 per employee. And for tech positions, the cost goes upwards to 150% of their salary, if not more. Um, once you get up to the high end, the C-suite, turnover could cost you about 225% of someone's salary to make that change happen. That's a lot. That's a lot. Do it right. Do it right, folks. Take your time in hiring. Make sure you get a person that fits your culture. You're not going to know all of that in an interview, which is why it's important to take your time when you're interviewing so that they could interview you, too, um, and make sure that you're just not going, yep, fill the position, because if you fill the position and they quit or get fired, then that's going to look bad on you as a manager that you have turnover in your department. Absolutely. And it's not even going to look bad on you above and beyond that. It's going to have a negative repercussion on the people that they work side by side with as well. It's going to ripple throughout your organization. It really turns out to be critical to make sure that we get proper um, policy and supervision training in place, I would say. It, it, it's it's key. Uh, we talked about burnout a little bit already, and there was a, a study last year, 2021, the APA 2021 Work and Wellbeing Survey, and it said that 79% of employees that were in that in survey said they have experienced work-related stress in the month before the survey. So nearly oh, wow. three in five reported negative impacts of work-related stress, and these impacts were... Uh, lack of interest in their job, lack of motivation, lack of energy, uh, and lack of effort at work. And I know it also includes, you know, calling off. And then of course, if they don't, if it's a mental or a physical 
um, illness or just, you know, temporary uh, illness, then that's going to be a higher increase on your health insurance as well if you provide health insurance. Absolutely. It's a lot of stats there on burnout. Uh, you know, so what I, you know, I told you this example that I was reading this uh, LinkedIn uh, post. It wasn't mine. I was just reading it and I was like, oh boy, yeah, we're going to talk about this later today. <laughs> just about the the ad in the interview said, yeah, we have work-life balance. Yeah, we have unlimited PTO. Yeah, we have flexible work schedules. And then the manager was like, huh? No, we don't. Or didn't it went in one <laughs> ear and out the other. It's so important when you are launching any policy i don't care what policy it is but any policy but specifically you know work-life balance and flexible time off i'm limited pto the child care train your supervisors oh, yeah. train 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 what does this mean what are the expectations what does work mean what does work-life balance mean um, explain the turnover and the causes of turnover, even if some of them are assumptions because you may not have actual facts. Um, facts would be better. Explain loss production costs versus not just loss productivity, but because people quit because of our lack of work balance or they're, they're still there, but they're coming in burnt out because if they don't come in, they don't get a paycheck. And if they don't get a paycheck, you know, other bad things will happen in their life. So they just come to work burnt out. Well, you're losing productivity costs uh, right there as well. 68% of employees who don't feel supported at work by management consider leaving the organization. And then when you open up the doors and you attempt to start to replace some of the people that are leaving, 47% of active job seekers cite company culture as a primary reason that they left their previous employer. And when you have a situation like what Wendy's describing, where the supervisor, the manager, the person who might actually be conducting the interview or the person that the employee is reporting to on the first day doesn't align with the vision of the organization and that flexible work culture, the toxicity just bleeds through. And you might feel that you could conceal that. You might feel that you might be able to cover that up in a way, uh, masking that company culture as you're evolving. But if you don't tackle it head on, everyone's going to see it. They're people just like you. And they can read right. between the lines and they can recognize a toxic work culture, probably even before you can. Yeah. And many people are going into jobs now um, after there's been so much turmoil the past couple of years. And they're going into jobs now going, all right, we'll just try it for a couple of months. I had a conversation with a professional this morning that said, Yep, I'm going to take this job that I've been offered and I'm giving it three months. And if it's not what they're telling me um, because I've been burned before, I'm out. And I I told her straight up, yeah, go for that because you are in charge right now. Yeah. And if they told you one thing and aren't giving it to you, speak up the minute you find out that they're not complying with that. It's so important to put these policies in writing in the handbook, all that, but even a step further. There's companies out there, and I just happened to uh, find found one, uh, and I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong, Patagonia. Uh, I think I pronounced it, was perfect. it right. All it right, was perfect. excellent. <laughs> well, they have it all over their website. Uh, their whole entire website is about culture, uh, culture and life, what employees can expect there, that they're not traditional companies. Um, it, you know, they even say right here, you know, 
all the better if they have a, if a person has excellent qualifications for whatever job we hire them for. We'll often take a risk on a rock climber than we wouldn't on a run-of-the-mill MBA. Finding a dyed-in-the-wool business person to take up climbing or river running is a lot more difficult than teaching a person with a ready passion for the outdoors how to do a job. And so you could tell that they're like, they're, they're unique. They're like, we're not looking for, you know, these check boxes. We're looking for your passion. And then on top of that, we're going to make sure you have a work-life balance. I just find that amazing. Supportive environments. It's at all organizational levels. Policies that promote respect, trust, empathy, and support are all characteristics of a strong workplace culture. You want to be like Patagonia? You want to be like the HR lady, Wendy Sellers? Just step up to the plate. Become that. Become that today and do it authentically. And you're going to win every single time. You really are. And when you put it in writing and somebody uh, screws up or wants to take advantage of you, whether that's a manager or an employee, you know, you'll have a little bit more oof behind you to hold those people accountable and also, you know, possibly keep yourself out of court. I want to ask you. I want to ask you about that before you go too much further about putting it in writing like that. So uh, small business, I really haven't done this much before. And I have a policy that's pretty simple. Show up to work and don't be a jerk. So I just write it down and that's good enough. Or should I get with an HR person or get with a lawyer? What's what's one of the best ways as we're just approaching HR or maybe we are in a position where we're just dipping our toes into HR, getting used to this, what's one of the best ways to to get that done right? We don't want to screw that up once we get it in writing, right? Yeah, if you don't have an HR professional on your team, then consult with one from somewhere. Whether it's me, you know, I'm an HR consultant, whether it's one of my peers, there's many of us out there. uh, Where I would probably go if you're a small business and you don't know where to go, um, if you have health insurance, usually your health insurance broker has some kind of contacts. Um, you might have some kind of, you know, legal um, discount program through health insurance brokers. Or even um, if you don't have health insurance, just your company insurance, meaning your liability insurance. Those brokers and those those firms may have some kind, something, some access. So if you can't find an HR consultant, just let me know and I'll help you. Um, and then the next step, obviously, would also be for somebody in the legal field to look at all your policies. Um, I, When I write my HR manuals, I tell my clients, you have to have a lawyer look at this for your industry and your location because I can't be an expert at everything. But definitely get help. Um, don't be so restrictive in your policies. But the number one thing I would say is make it sure that your policy in writing is in writing, number one, and then number two, easy to understand, and then number three, most important, is making sure your supervisors and your managers know what it means and know what the expectations are of them. Because you're going to have Critical. a manager once in a while that says, eh, that's the company policy, but not on my team. And you need to say, no, this is all of our teams. And manager, I know you've been here for 20 years, and I know you're you know, tougher than everyone else, but this is our policy moving forward. And any employee could come and report to me whoever me is, the CEO, for example, that you are not allowing them flexible work hours or whatever benefit is. 
So I just have those visions in my head, Wendy, of the uh, back on the shop floor. You know, you got the policy written down one way, but the guys in the back and the gals in the back, they they know how it works back there. We're hiring you on and you're with me now. And it's almost like a separate culture sometimes. And it takes a lot to bridge those gaps. It really does. And and if you've got someone who's been with you for 20 or 30 years and they're they're down this rabbit hole of, of, of thought and they're hiring people and, and creating that toxicity like that and you're trying to change it and bridge that gap, what's, what's some of the best ways that we could help make that happen? I mean, do you really have to step up to the plate and, and fire the person in 20 years or, or do you have to have more open and honest conversations with them? Is this where more authenticity comes to the table? What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm training, training, training. It might be individual. It might be group. It depends on your, on your unique situation, but uh, quite honestly, I mean, it's just laying out the facts. You know, I don't want you, the employer to be a bully to your managers who aren't complying or don't believe in flexible work schedule or childcare or anything like that. Um, but I find that it's usually because that person that's playing hardball just doesn't understand um, because no one has given them the facts of like, hey, here's our turnover from last year or just this past quarter. This is what it cost us just to run ads and to pay recruiting and managers to interview. This is what it cost us in lost productivity. This is, by the way, what it cost us. Um, because you allow, allowed this white guy over here to do it, but not this pregnant woman over here to do it. Um, that would probably be a lawsuit, right? And so the bottom line is they don't know what they don't know. Managers don't miraculously know all the laws because you slapped a manager title on them, nor do they know like all of the, the costs that go into a business. They're usually really, really good at their job and you have to teach them about the rest. So don't point the finger. Don't blame managers. You got to grab that mirror and say, how am I part of the problem and how am I going to fix this? Excellent point. I'll tell you what, too, if you're not sure of uh, your litmus test for the organization, here's one real quick tip out of the pocket of JC for you. Gossip. Gossip is is when it's not accepted and it, it simply doesn't occur at work, your culture is healthy. And if you're speaking directly to the person and, and you are encouraging people to stop rumors at any level and you, and you keep things just up and going, there's always going to be a certain level of gossip, right? Hey, did you watch a game the other day? Oh, Baltimore played terribly. Maybe you gossiping about sports, but gossiping about each other or, or leadership changes in the organizations. Look, employees are going to be less likely to spread rumors about one another when they know that they can be open and honest with themselves and their coworkers. And they often provide a hand to one another when assistance is needed in these instances. So if you're not sure what the status is of the culture at your organization and, and you're not really at that point where you want to do one of those awesome in-house survey type things, is base it on the gossip. Base it on the gossip is a good litmus test. That's a great point. That is a really, really great point. Uh, gossip is usually um, not accurate, <laughs> but there's usually something in there, right? right? People are nervous. And so they started some rumor or something because they are trying to get information and this, or they're picking things up around. And then as it goes from one person to another, another, it becomes a completely different story. And, and if but they're not it, gossiping at all, if, if you don't have that, you got a good culture, you know? 
you could you could have a good culture or you could have a culture that people are too afraid to Gaza because they're going to get canned. Right. <laughs> good <laughs> so, point, too. You know, the too. whole the whole point of today's podcast is you need to be working on work life balance for your employees. Yes. Find out what your employees want um, and, you know, use those ideas to roll out sample programs and generally to just improve the the culture in your organization so people are standing in line to apply to your jobs and work with your awesome company. With that said, thanks for being here today, everybody. Wendy Sellers, the HR lady and JC. Y'all take care. Have a good night. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast, brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.